You know, I like those guys that lead singing. Here, I think he did that. he did that on purpose. Wow. Now that was a great way to start, wasn't it? Okay, let's get back to this. I like the song leaders because realize this, if they weren't here to do that, I might have to do it. And just think how that could be. Ah, you're right. Shake your head this way. Very good. Could be worse. Could be you and not me. That's all right. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here this morning and it is a great day. We're coming near, nearer and nearer the end of the, the month of January. I always like February. Not only is it my birthday month, just a reminder, just in case you needed notice, <laughs> <laughs> but I just always think that gets us that much nearer to spring and away from uh, the, the harshest weather of the year. I don't know why I think that way, but optimism maybe. And I think there's a lot of optimism for the days ahead. I got a telephone call this morning, uh, actually from one of our members. I got a call from one of our members this morning. Uh, and in the midst of our conversation, uh, she said, uh, I believe she said, uh, I've been optimistic about 2021, that it's going to be a great year. And I said, I think it will be. And I said, I think we're going to get past some of the troubles that we have. She said, yeah, if we, we'll get past this pandemic, I believe, but then we've got to deal with politics. I thought, I, I won't tell you which way she was leaning, but we'll just, uh, we'll leave it alone. Anyway, enough said. Isn't it a great day? It's just great to be alive and to be here. I want to do, I want to do, offer you three things today. We're going to talk about prayer for the next few minutes. We're going to be in Luke 22 in a minute. We're going to talk about prayer, and the question of the morning is, who is praying for you? But I want to talk about three things. I do want to talk about Jesus and prayer. I want to talk about prayer itself briefly, and then I want to get back to that question of who is praying for you? I believe all three of them are important, and I think all three of them are addressed in the passage that I want to share with you here this morning. As I mentioned, we're going to be in Luke 22, mentioning these events that took place between Jesus and Simon Peter, as Jesus is trying to prepare Peter for the fact that he's going to end up denying Jesus in the hours ahead. Verse 31, Luke 22, beginning in verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Notice this, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. Wow, powerful. But I want you to think about that phrase, that phrase in there. I have prayed for you. I don't think there are any more powerful words that will ever be stated, especially when it comes from Jesus. And if you think about it a minute, have there, has there ever been a time that we wanted or needed prayer more than today? Oh yeah, I know there have been Turbulent times, great wars and great conflicts and great, great events that have taken place. There have been pandemics in days past in which people turned to prayer. But has there ever been a time that we wanted or needed prayer more than today? I can't think of any time that we had a greater need for prayer than we have today. 
But I wonder how we picture that prayer. Even when we talk about it, how do we really picture that idea of prayer? And what does it really mean to us in that regard? There's a scene from an early episode of the television series MASH in which there's been a wounded soldier. Uh, there were a lot of wounded soldiers in that, st that story, but in that series, but... Uh, there was a wounded soldier that's struggling with his life following his surgery and you get the picture you've got doctors and and others there taking blood pressure watching him thinking worried about him thinking is he going to make it is he going to make it and someone in the midst of this conversation this conversation says I think we need some prayer and on that occasion the the, the Catholic priest Father Mulcahy is is there and he begins to pray And as he is praying, the soldier begins to move. They check his blood pressure. It's coming up. His breathing is getting better. And somebody says, I believe he's going to make it. He grows stronger. And they look at the priest, and the priest in return says, it's not really supposed to work that way. And you know what my thought was? Why not? But, and I just offered that to you, and I know that's just a television show, but is that the way that we approach God? Is that the way that we approach prayer? Is that the way we go about it? And we, we go into prayer, and, we, and it's almost like an insurance policy, just in case if something happens. I wonder sometimes, as we practice prayer, whether we really, really believe in the power of what we are doing. It may be that we believe in God. We believe in hope. We believe in salvation. We believe in his word. We believe in obedience to it. We believe in heaven. We believe in all those things. But do we really believe that he responds, that he truly responds to our entreaties in life? Do we really believe that God is listening carefully in his being to our prayers? If we struggle a little bit with it, and we may not want to admit that, especially in a Sunday morning church service. We, we want to, might want to hold that one for our private moments. Maybe we don't even want to admit it because we think, what does God think about it? If we do, well, I get, tell you whether you admit it or not, God, God knows how you're thinking about it, I believe. But if we do have those moments or those struggles in life with, when dealing with prayer, we're not alone. As dear as the heart of David was to God... As dear as that heart of David was to God, many of his psalms are entreaties with wonder as to why God is not responding and when he will respond and why he hasn't responded to the things that are going on. But in spite of how we perceive prayer, prayer is still very much a part of us, even a part of our, our society. Even in secular society, we still hear about prayer. People still, still talk about prayer. People still appreciate the idea of prayer. We hear it mentioned when, we are, when we're dealing with societal challenges. When a war is there, when a pandemic, when, when other national crises or even local crises are about us. And even politicians that surprise us often still end speeches with an expression of desire for God's blessings. And it's intriguing that 
The Bible is still a forefront issue in many political settings because we lean upon the idea of God and the idea of prayer. But I think for you and me, prayer, in our minds, prayer is so special that we have given it a, a certain kind of aura. I know when I was a boy growing up, we would have those training classes in which they would teach us how to pray. They would teach us what to say and how to say it, especially in public prayers. And here's what you say, and here's how you say it, and here's how you do it, and, and so forth. And we still do those kinds of things. But when it gets down to the real heartbeat of prayer, I think we still hold that prayer is so special that maybe we think about it a little too formally. We think about it needing a sense of real clarity, of meaning and heart and purpose, that it has a correctness of order and system and approach, and especially in the idea of reverence, that it be done in such a way. With that in mind, I think we hold the view that the person, the heart, and the knowledgeable manner of prayer have great value to us. And for Jesus to say that I'm praying for you, I will pray for you, I have prayed for you, and I will pray for you is a significant point when we address it. The, we come down to this, and the first thing that I want you to recognize is that Jesus prayed. He prayed. He prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And he shook the whole concept of prayer in the minds of many of the people of his time. Because if you look back through the Old Testament, the concept of individual prayer is fairly limited. People were sometimes very hesitant about approaching God, sometimes very quiet about their approach to God. At times, they were simply so afraid of God, like the Israelites in the wilderness. They didn't want to deal directly with God and didn't want their lives that con confrontational with God. And they would not deal so directly with God. And yet there were times that some that were seemingly a little bit unusual, they dealt very directly with God. I think about Samson. There are a couple of times that Samson stands out in his prayers that may have been very brief, but very determined prayers. Judges 16, in the finality of his life, the last thing he does before he brings down the house is he prays. There was prayer in the Old Testament, and I recognize, as I mentioned a while ago, many of the psalms that David and even others wrote, many of the psalms are prayers. You can go back starting as early as Psalm 3 with the idea of prayer, of invoking God and invoking his blessings and, and going to him. But not only did Jesus shake the concept of prayer, he taught the, he taught, he taught the concepts of prayer. It's in Luke 11, they ask him, teach us to pray, teach us to pray. And even in Matthew 6, in that great oration that's there, what does he do? And when you pray, pray like this. And it became so impressive, we refer to it quite often as the Lord's Prayer. Somebody said, really, is the disciples' prayer, and Jesus is giving people a prayer, but... 
Was it an intention that we, we memorize it and recite it? I've said so many times, and some of you of my age group, you know that we began the school day each day with two things. We'd stand and salute the flag and the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we would recite the Lord's Prayer. Nothing especially wrong with that by any means. You want to recite a prayer, that's probably as good a prayer as you'll, you'll find to recite in many respects. But Jesus taught the concepts of prayer. I don't think he was teaching us a recitation of prayer as much as he was teaching the concept of approaching God and loving God and pouring out to God and recognizing God throughout your prayer. And it is a really good approach to prayer to use. Is it the only approach? Does it have to convey all of those things? That's not, I think, what he's saying. But he was teaching people, you go to God with this. I think we need to gain a good picture of Jesus praying. For he spent a lot of time in his personal prayer. Even though he was so connected to the Father and so open in that relationship with the Father and referring to himself as being one with the Father, he also spent a lot of time in prayer. In Luke 6, it says he prayed all night and then he came to his disciples and said, okay, now let's get on with business. I think we need to get a really good picture of Jesus in prayer and Jesus the praying Lord. Especially that prayer in the garden is one that stands out, of course. And we've, we've gone over the words many times. Not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And many have seen pictures that have been painted by artists as they, they render Jesus praying in the garden, kneeling by a stump or a rock or just kneeling. And there he is with that serene look about him and that, that glow of light coming down upon him. And there he is in that serene posture of prayer. And it's probably as inaccurate as it can be. For when you read the accounts of Jesus in prayer, he was a man torn with struggle, burdened with the weights, challenged by the things he was facing, passionate and determined in all that he was doing to fulfill what he came to do before God. We need a picture of a man impassioned and burdened and carrying that with him and the weight of it laying upon him as he humbly puts himself to the ground before God his father and we need to picture Jesus on the cross for there as people mocked him and went by he was in communication with the father more than once and even one of the thieves that was being crucified and dying very near him saw Jesus as that connection to God remember me when you come into your kingdom remember me and Jesus said this day you will be with me in paradise he saw Jesus in that picture of a connection to God and in the very last words the very last words that, Je that Luke records of Jesus on the cross it was a prayer father into your hands I commend my spirit prayer. We need pictures in our minds and in our hearts of Jesus as that man of prayer as he offers the prayer. So picture Jesus, and I say one, Jesus prayed. And I told you the second one is, the second one is we need to grasp a picture of prayer 
Paul says, as he writes to the church in Thessalonica, to the Christians in, Th- in Thessalonica, he says, pray without ceasing. I don't me- think he meant you've got to stay on your knees in a constant 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week prayer. That's not what he was saying. He said, just don't not pray. That was a double, ne- double negative. You got that? Do not not pray. Keep praying. But I think prayer has seen hard times. And maybe is seeing hard times. There have been a lot of times in the past, and I think even in the present, where there is little or no prayer. We talk about it, but do we do it? Even Christians have not always prayed as they should. Think about James' words as he writes in James chapter 4 and verse 2. He said, you want and have not. Part of the reason is, he says, you ask not. You haven't even communicated with God. You just kind of expect. So sometimes Christians haven't even prayed. And when we have prayed, have we turned to formulaic prayers? We've got to make sure cover this, cover this, cover this, cover this, cover this, and cover this. And there's our prayer, and we got it covered. I think we need to remind ourselves that there is more at work than this. There's more at work than this. Because prayer is. It is. It is a communication, yes, but it is a communication of the heart and the mind to God. It's not a question whether you begin your prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, and end it with, in Jesus' name I pray. It is more about what's going on in the heart of the person and the desire of the person. It is a communication of the heart and mind. When you're in a car that's sliding on the ice and uh, heading toward an abutment and you know that you're going to crash in a moment and you say, Oh Lord, Lord, you think he doesn't hear that? That's a prayer. I believe that. It is a communication of the heart and mind. Yes, many prayers need to be considered very carefully and thought through and you consider what it is that you're bringing to God. But it is a communication of the heart and the mind. It is not idle chit-chatter fulfilling a requirement that, oh, I haven't prayed today. Well, I better get down and make sure and go through my prayer. I don't think we are that trite. I don't think we are that small. But sometimes we may act almost that way. We're going to have to eat. Well, we've got to say a prayer before we eat. Well, let's pray before we eat, but let's don't say, oh, i got to say a prayer before I eat. Do you understand the difference that I'm talking about here? There is a difference of heart and mind in that communication because it is, prayer is a communing with the Father. It is a closeness and an approach to God. It is not idle chit-chat because we just got to do it and get it done. It is a communing with the Father. It is an opportunity to express ourselves openly, freely, and lovingly with a Father who openly, lovingly, and freely embraces us. And oh, wouldn't many of us give just about anything to be able to communicate with our earthly fathers or people we love so dearly? Again, it is a communing time spent with the Father. And it is not. It is not. Prayer is not and is never to be used as a get out of jail free card. You know the game. You know the monopoly. You get that card and you hold on to it just in case. You go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card that you pull out every now and say, wait a minute, okay, I'm in need, let me, 
You pull it out and you say, okay, here it is, Lord. Here's my prayer to get me out of this now. That's not what it is. We don't just pull it out on the rare occasion that's needed. That's why Paul says, let's pray. Pray without ceasing. Read that first chapter of Ephesians sometime in the length of his statement and his prayer that is offered there. And you get the idea that Paul loved to approach God in prayer. But the third point, and the third point is this. It's Jesus telling Simon Peter, I'm praying for you. Praying for you. Who do you want praying for you? When I find myself in times of trouble, who do I want praying for me? You thought that was going someplace else, didn't you? No. It's a question. Who do I want praying for me? It is common, and it should be common, for us to ask someone, someone we respect, we respect as being close to God, as, as, as living that life, as, as projecting that life to pray for us. Will you pray for me? When somebody asks for the congregational prayers, it is a statement of, of their love and appreciation of you that you could pray for them. Preachers are often asked to pray. You step into a hospital room, people often want you to pray. People call on the phone and say, would you keep me in prayer? And that happens quite often. Simon Simon the sorcerer, when he got into deep trouble, even after he'd become a Christian and was making some serious mistakes, asked Peter and John to pray for him. Acts chapter 8. Praying for you. And remember I said it's not the, the oration itself, but the heart and the desire. When I was growing up, there was a fellow in the congregation. I'll just give you his first name was Arthur. And occasionally, Arthur would be called on to lead a prayer in the service. And he had flowing words and phrases that just came together and weaved into this prayer. And it was, it was nice. It was beautiful. The way he would word it. The rhythm of the words and the way that he would say them, and, and it was beautiful. In contrast, there was a fellow named Dean. And while Dean had some college education, his use of language was basic at best. He'd been a football player. Maybe he'd hit his, been playing without his helmet too many times. But Dean, I shouldn't say it because Dean was a sweet guy. But he didn't have, he didn't have great use of language. Words were basic. And one day after Arthur had prayed in the service, I commented to my father as a young boy, I commented to my father on how beautiful the prayer was in service this morning. And that day, Dean had led the closing prayer and Arthur had led an earlier prayer in the service. And I said, how beautiful that prayer was. I love it when he prays. And my father, just out of the side of his mouth, said, I would rather have Dean praying for me. It's not the flow of the words, but the intent of the heart. It's the connection to God. 
that stands out. And so I'm telling you here this morning, when Jesus said, I will pray for you to Simon Peter, and as we think about the Lord and long for his intercession, for his prayer for us, when he says this, we recognize then we have one who is an advocate, one who stands on our side. First John 2 and verse 1, with sin in our lives, he is, an, he is our advocate with the Father. So we have one who is advocating for us with the Father. Hebrews 4.15, we also have in Jesus one who has been there. He knows what's going on. He knows the feeling. He knows the humanity. He is touched by our humanity. We have one who has been there where we are. And still we have one who is close to the Father. There in John 14, as he tells his closest disciples, especially Philip, he tells them there, have I been with you so long that you don't know yet that the Father and I are one? We are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you, if you could see the Father, you would see me because we are one in one another. We have one who is close to the Father. And we have one who has the power. He has the power. He has the power of connection. He has the power of right. He has the power of who he is. He has the power of endowment. I think about what he says in John chapter 10. He says, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down that I might take it up again. He knows what he has. He knows the power that he has. He knows what it's about. I'm telling you, friends, when, we, when Jesus said, I'm praying for you, this is one of the most powerful statements in the pages of the Bible. And when somebody says, I'm praying for you, it ought to be one of the most powerful statements that you make toward another in your life. And when somebody says, I am praying for you, it's not a second rate. It's not, well, if you can't do anything else, it's I'm doing the very best I can do. And so I leave you with this thought this morning. Think about it. Who do you who do you want praying for you? After the resurrection of Jesus, there were those two disciples on the road to Emmaus as they're walking along, and Jesus joins them, and, and, and they don't know exactly who he is. You can go a little further and look and find the story. And they don't know who he is, but they invite him to come in with them after they've had a strange discussion on the road. They come in, and as they are together, he prays. As they're about to eat, he prays for them and isn't it interesting that it was at the supper as Jesus blessed the food or prayed that they realized who he really was it's a special blessing to be able to have anyone pray for you but it is a special blessing to be able to have Jesus as our conduit as our strength as our opportunity as our advocate of prayer to the Father. This morning we're going to sing again a song of encouragement. Let it be one of encouragement to us. Let it be a blessing to each of us. May it be one that reminds us how 
our opportunity in Christ is the greatest opportunity in the world. Maybe there's someone who needs to respond this very morning among us that needs to come. Your desire to be baptized, we're ready to assist you. If you have another need for prayers, to redirect your life, or whatever it might be, we are here to assist this morning. If you need to come publicly this morning, please do so as we stand and as we sing the song together.